0: Radio Fly Welcome to the process. In this episode, I talk with Anshul Goshek and he runs this website called HistoryHunter.N. Here is me and Anshul. Hi Anshul. Hi. Uh, so you were out of town. Were you out collecting historical objects or what?
1: No, oh, I was on a tour.
0: We have a group and I travel every year. Okay. Tell me about your background. Uh, are you a student of history? No, I'm not a student of
1: history, but the history is my passion. I'm, I'm an M.Tech from Bitspilani Okay. And uh, after that, uh, I have started collecting the things. Okay. So, what did you study? I am a software engineer, you can say. Okay. And uh, I got some things from my grandfather. Right, And I have also prepared for the civil service examinations.
0: What objects? did You, you just mentioned some objects, right? Yes. So, what were those?
1: Uh, the objects which I got from my grandfather was some antiquities, you can say. And uh, he has forwarded these things to me. So, when I was preparing for the civil service examination, I had studied history quite well. So, from that time, I was fascinated by the history. Right. So, I have started uh, collecting the stuff. I already have some things from my grandfather. Then I went ahead and started collecting the
0: stuff from the past. So, your grandfather is still around? No. Okay. So, uh, was he a history buff? Sort of. Sort of. I mean,
1: not that much buff, but uh, still he was able to get some things from his friends. Like what? Like some... Very rare things from the Harappan civilization. What were those things? Uh, Some... There was a seal. And uh, there was a... a Idol. Okay. And uh, some paper documents also. And a gun from the revolt of 1857. Mm -hmm. And a Harappan bull.
0: How did he uh, get those?
1: Okay, so my grandfather got these things from a friend whose uh, name was Victor i think and who was a good friend of Brit? Mortimer was Wheeler
0: was a british guy
1: yeah okay he was a british guy and who was actually a friend with the, the Mortimer Wheeler who is the father of archaeology in india
0: right
1: so uh, he got a, a handwritten note with the stuff two three things and it was actually uh, uh, as per my grandfather that particular things were handed over by the mortimer wheeler to the victor and okay. i don't know victor who is and what he was and right. so then somehow my grandfather managed to get those things from victor with the note obviously on which there is a, a autograph of the mortimer wheeler which was addressed to victor himself so that's how i came across these some things from my grandfather and
0: and that piqued your curiosity
1: yes that obviously piqued my curiosity and uh, even when i study history during my civil services examination preparation so i was also very keen on uh, relooking the past i was very keen on understanding the past that how things are changed so that's how i was always fascinated by history during my school times also So there was one teacher in my school whose name was uh, Wakil Ma'am. So she used to tell stories about uh, the India-Pakistan war during the 70s. So how she used to uh, hide uh, herself uh, uh, under their house. There was a bunker or things like that because her village was near the border. So I was quite fascinated uh, since the beginning that history is something which to look forward for. Okay. So uh, do you do this professionally or what? Uh, not professionally, you can say, because I have also worked in Honda Motors India for uh, seven, 80 years. And okay. uh, I was uh, uh, a system administrator, you can say, there. And uh, I was handling the data center operations there. Then uh, I'm not much of a software engineer, you can say, although I have done my master's in software engineering. But your passion lies in history. uh, But uh, passion is history. But uh, if you uh, talk about my skill set, then more of a networking guy or infrastructure guy in computing. So that's how. I've also written uh, a book on uh, computer and network security. Okay. So that's how. So history is completely unpassionate about. No, it's published by uh, Kanna book publishers. And uh, one book is uh, currently uh, in the publishing phase that is related to cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and blockchain technology. Right. So uh, what do you do for a job job? Uh, I'm a consultant. So I've started my own. Now I, I am consulting. I have consulted for a power company which is working for Power Grid of India. So I was working on their smart grid project also. So they are coming up with a... Uh, smart grid
0: uh, city near Pondicherry so on that I have consulted so what kind of consultancy are you providing for the power grid are you providing the uh, on the software side Uh, it's related to uh, the complete uh, networking
1: stuff I mean uh, there will be smart meters and how smart meters will be communicating with each other in a particular area that is uh, the one part. The second is how there will be a software called SCADA, Supervisory Access Control Device. So how these things will uh, actually uh, communicate with each other, that thing I'm working on. Got
0: it. Got it. You were working in Honda. Yes. And uh, were you were you collecting historical objects then also? Uh, yes,
1: I was collecting. But... Uh, uh, It was not, uh, you know, uh, I was not that much passionate about history because during that time I was was busy in job. Right. But, uh, and I was not uh, having that kind of access, you can say.
0: No work-life balance. Yeah.
1: So kind
0: of, you can say, because my
1: uh, office was quite far from my home. I used to drive uh, uh, from uh, Pitampura to Greater Noida. Wow. So this is approximately 65 kilometers odd daily, one side. So it's a, it's a very Very hectic hectic for me.
0: How do you collect your objects? Do you buy them or do you go to auctions or? Yeah, it depends. I mean, uh, I have a very huge network uh,
1: worldwide and uh, most of the pawn shops, which are there in US, Europe and all. So I have contact with those people and I have a network of uh, the collectors also. So, sometimes it happens that some things ca- came across some collector in Europe and he's not keen in in, uh, in actually collecting that particular thing. So, he offers uh, to us. So, in that way, I get the things. So, sometimes I have to buy, sometimes I have to barter or exchange. So, and sometimes I have to take uh, part in auctions as well.
0: Okay. So, if, if an object is in, let's say, uh, UK and you have to bring it to India… What other process do you have to go through customs uh
1: it depends on the item which you are bringing i mean usually the thing is uh, as per my knowledge is if you are bringing something into your country which is your heritage or things like that then you don't have to pay any customs but if it is something which is just a collectible which doesn't have any historic value or which is not a uh, uh, you know uh, not important as far as Indian history is concerned, then obviously if you have a different taste, then you have to pay, pay the customs.
0: Now my knowledge of historical objects is limited to Pawn Stars on History Channel.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I've seen that uh, the value of uh, historical objects can be can be quite varied. Uh, I think the guy on that show would you would used to say that uh, just because it's old, it's not valuable. So how does a object attain its value? See,
1: first of all, it's a demand and supply driven market. Got if it. you talk about the historical things. Right. So, I was lucky enough that uh, in India, there are n- not much collectors and there is not an evolved market. So, in that way, I get things at a very good price if I buy them. Or even if I barter them with uh, some other people, then I get really good deals. So, If suppose uh, the main collection which I have includes the historic newspapers, for instance. If I talk about one of the things which I collect, then I'm the biggest collector in India for historic newspapers. So if you talk about the value, then uh, newspaper is uh, the cheapest thing which you can get. Uh, Currently, you can get it for five rupees. So there are two things in this trade. One is the collectible value. And another one is the actual value of the item or the monetary value. So I have then not calculated the monetary value of my items because I'm planning to open a museum soon. So, okay. but if you talk about the collectible value, then the collectible value of my items is very huge because I have the newspaper of the first day of the independence, 15th August 19th. 47. I have the oldest newspaper in my collection, which is dated back to 1818. That is the Tipu Sultan news is there that how the British army is uh, preceding. So in that way, the oldest newspaper or a magazine, which I have dated back to 1765, which is a black hole of Calcutta. That is also an interesting interesting event. It's a black hole of Calcutta.
0: What was, the, what was that phenomenon?
1: Uh, it was like when Siraj Yuddaula was uh, there uh, in Calcutta. So he captured the Britishers into a small confinement hole, which is called the black hole in the Fort William, Calcutta. Okay. So during that, uh, most of the people died and one of them survived and he went uh, to the British, uh, uh, he uh, escaped from there and he went to England. And from there, he actually wrote a report of the complete incident. And for the first time that report was published in a magazine, which was the gentleman's magazine. So I I have the original copy of that gentleman magazines, which is dated uh, back to 1760s. So it was like that. So that was another incident.
0: So you have not uh, put a value to your entire collection.
1: No, it's not possible to put a value to the entire collection because, uh, the market is still evolving in India. And uh if uh the most of the things are very rare, so I they can't have a price tag because you can't get these things in malls or any showrooms. So if I I will if I will ask you for a newspaper from the independ the day of the independence, you won't find them in any shops. So that's how they are very rare things which I have. So this the newspaper is one of the things which I collect over uh twenty or thirty uh items which I am into
0: collecting. Okay what is the most valuable object that you think or the most uh, precious to you? See, my whole collection is (laughs) precious
1: to me (laughs) because uh, I have uh, worked hard in acquiring these items, very hard, and each item has a specific story. So if you talk about, then I also have a piece of moon in my collection. That is a moon rock. So it also, every item is The ones that they
0: brought down from the Apollo mission? No,
1: this is not the one it is a uh, it ha- also has a very interesting story that uh, when th- the formation of moon happened during that time a piece from the moon crater went into the space and it revolved there for millions of years and when there uh, at the time of the chanakya uh, and alexandra it fell into the desert of morocco so it was a 11 kg piece which lied there for several millions uh, thousands of years and after that what happened it was recovered by some uh, treasure hunters in the uh, desert of Morocco in 2007. So they sold it to a guy named Adam Hoop. He was a U.S. meteorites collector. Yeah. And uh, Adam Hoop got this and then got it certified from NASA. He sold it uh, to the Museum of Ontario. He displayed in the Ontario Museum and uh, they uh, they paid him heavily. And after that, he started selling that 11 kgs piece. To the market, to the, to the international market. So that's how I got this stone. And uh, so,
0: how did you find out about that object?
1: Well, from some people from online forums. Okay. From some people who are in contact with me because okay. we have a group.
0: Okay. Uh, online group. So, would you care to mention what you paid for that? No. Okay. No problem. So, I mean, uh, did you hear about the the museum in Brazil that was burned down recently? Yes like if uh it's a sensitive subject to bring, but if something like that happens to you uh what will be the one object that will, that you will run into your house to save like if you were if you were to save just one, it's a very difficult question <laughs> actually
1: I've never thought about it, but uh I think uh I will be saving a painting uh which was drawn by branch he he was an artist and uh, it wa- uh, it is uh, drawn uh, with a uh, ink and uh, pen and it is uh, dated 1861 and uh, the painting is about the siege of sirangi patnam when the the fall of tipu sultan so that was the most precious thing i think
0: that i will save Okay, and and, and what is the most recent uh, thing that you bring brought into your collection?
1: Uh, I bought the, the newspapers of uh, the f- day when man landed on moon. Okay, so I've got a uh, three set of uh, these papers. One is when the sixty nine, right? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, July sixty nine. Hmm. So uh, one is the when they have landed. The other newspaper is when they walked on the moon, and the third when the complete mission came back, the Apollo mission. So the three newspapers.
0: I think the new, I think newspapers would be the most uh, abundant object for collectors, right? I mean, no. No? No. These are the most scarest thing
1: which the you can n- get. The newspapers? Yes. The reason is the newspapers... No, but
0: weren't there millions and millions of copies of the newspaper that were published?
1: But who cares to save, save them? Save it, right. Who cares? And the quality of the newspaper is like that, that it can vanish very easily. I mean, it's the mon- most prone to the... Uh, Decay. Or discoloration. Yeah, discoloration, or uh, uh, it's very easy that it gets away. Right, newspaper thing. Right, because the quality of the paper is very poor in the and newspapers. What, what
0: newspaper is that? Any newspaper. No, no, the one that you've uh, that you've got. Uh, I no- think uh,
1: these newspapers are the Evening Star. Yes.
0: Okay. Uh, now. Uh, I just mentioned the the fire that was. Uh, the, how did you find out about it, and uh, what did you feel about it?
1: I found it uh, on the internet, obviously. Right.
0: And uh, must have been painful to read about it. Yes. I because mean, I saw a video of a of a historian. She was, you know, bawling her eyes eyes out. Hmm. I mean, she was like, "We have lost millions of years of our uh, existence." Age. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yes.
1: Must have been tough. It was very painful because building up a museum is a very, very big task. And uh, even in, if I talk about the India also, I have I, I visited the Northeast. So I always visit museums whenever I visit a state. So I went to the Assam State Museum and even there I was like quite, the situation was really bad, you can say. Right. Because uh, although they are not charging for the museum, I have just paid five r- rupees for a entry to the museum and then 10 rupees for using the camera. But still they have the legacy, the paintings and the uh, situation of the letters which they have. They have a very wide collection of the letters which was written by the Mahatma Gandhi to uh, Hitler and to various leaders. And the, the the condition or the, the way they were stored there and displayed was quite, Boy. you know, poor, very poor. So, they are not conserving kind of a heritage, you can say. The people's conscience is not here, there. If you talk about the Europe, then London has so many museums right. and they are, I mean, extraordinary. And they know how to preserve the history and heritage.
0: But, but the, the problem is that uh, the government is not uh, giving enough money to the museums or the curators, right? I the government know. has no interest in preserving history.
1: I don't want to comment on that.
0: but <laughs> Because that's what happened in Brazil, right? Uh, it was in disarray. Uh, there were electrical wires which were hanging out of the walls. And uh, the curators and other historians were pleading to the government that, please do something about it. because And uh, someone had even warned about a fire earlier that month. But uh, the government there is so corrupt, uh, they didn't give enough money to the museum and it burned down. But sensitization is also
1: an issue. I mean, people here are not that sen- sensitive related to the monuments, heritage and history per se. Because for them, they are more interested in having it a, a price tag on the collectible. That is the way people look at this thing.
0: They think of it as an investment. Yes,
1: they think of it as an investment and they are more interested in the price of an object rather than the collectible value of the object. So that is the case. So everybody asks me that what is the price of this item and things like that. So people are more interested in the price tag which an item has rather than its heritage value that the newspaper of 15th August 1947 has a heritage value attached to it. So, that is the thing. Or the newspaper from the Tipu Sultan era where the complete description of the fighting is there with the Britishers that has a heritage value. So, in that
0: way. So, uh, I, I got your point. But if let's say if someone is starting into uh, uh, getting into the collectibles. Yes. Uh, if he's paying, uh, I don't know what a, what a newspaper of that will cost. But uh, let's say he pays uh, a, a huge, huge sum, sum of money. Uh, Is it an investment? Can he uh, get that money back I'm, or it, it, is, it depends on the market at that particular time?
1: See, it depends. First of all, as I told you that it is a demand-driven market. And uh, if suppose some collector wants that thing really bad and uh, he wants to complete his collection... For example, if we talk about the stamps and coins, everybody knows about these two domains. So, if uh, a stamp, the first stamp of the India, which is the uh, skendi Dwark, it is the first stamp of India. Sorry, it's a name of a stamp. Okay. Skendi Dwark. Okay. It's a name of the uh, stamp. Is it Dutch or what? Uh, no, it's British. Okay. British stamp. So that particular stamp has a very huge collectible and market value. So, if I talk about then somebody from Europe got that stamp for 13 lakh INR, a single stamp. So, in that way, stamps, people are more, uh, you can say they are more aware of the market dealing with stamps and with the coins. So, in that way, the coins and stamps are can be easily bought and they can be easily sold. But in case of the items which I collect, they have got a very tremendous potential for a market you can say but indian market is not evolved for that and my items are also not for sale so in that way you can say yes if a newspaper suppose a newspaper of indian independence somebody has posted i was uh, browsing through internet someone has posted that newspaper for around ten thousand dollars someone has posted so i don't know whether that got
0: sold or not but if it if it gets sold then your then your object is also worth that right
1: yeah, if, if it gets sold right. or if someone wants it badly, for example, if someone wants to add this particular thing, some rich guy who wants to buy it and wants to put it into his collection, then obviously he can pay whatever I want because he won't get these things in the market. So it's a demand and supply based market, you can say. And the other fact is the market has not evolved in India yet. So we are still at least 20 years behind the europe that how the uh, how the collectibles are traded in the european and us markets so there everything has a price even a very old uh, tin boxes they fetch a very huge prices so in that in that way so we are still in the evolving phase but someone has to uh, do uh, someone has to work towards the uh, uh, towards the Uh, evolution of this this market the collectibles market in india because most of the people trade here uh, are uh, used to trade in coins or in stamps so nobody knows and the second thing is uh, they don't know where to get uh, because these things are very very uh, hard to get and uh, there are many complications involved so it's not a kind of an open market you can say
0: so how does the market get evolved what what uh... Is there, uh, does the market get organized at some point or uh, is it all organic? Uh, First thing, the awareness should be there. Mm -hmm. I mean, people are aware,
1: but as I told you that people are more aware of the intrinsic value that Mm -hmm. a price tag of an object, which is concerned. Mm -hmm. So that is secondary for me, price tag is secondary because if something you have or something very good from the history, Mm -hmm. if you have some for example, you have something which is of a real collectible value. Then automatically it, f- it fetches the price tag. But in India, the buying and selling platform is not there for these kind of collectibles. Other than stamps and coins, I'm talking about the stuff which are actually there. And the secondary, uh, the, the market needs to be evolved. Like if the users or buyers and sellers are aware that, okay, I've, I will be getting that thing. Or they, this is the market value of this price. So probably they can come step forward and uh, can pay for a price which for an object. So that's how. Uh,
0: so are there platforms like online platforms abroad that uh, the people exchange or uh, buy stuff on? Uh, there are many platforms. I mean, if you talk about the platform,
1: then there are many auction houses which uh, which are into this trade, and they actually they earn their bread and butter doing this.
0: Through the auctions.
1: Yes. So, they, they have a complete set of... They they and their parents, their grandparents, they are involved. Like if you have heard of the uh, two big uh, auction houses, the Christie's. Yeah. So, this is a very big auction house. And another one is the Sotheby's. Yeah. So, so, the
0: Christie's b- is in New York and Sotheby's is uh, London, right? Yeah. So, okay. both of them are prominent in this area. So,
1: if suppose... Uh, if someone wants to sell, they charge 30-40% of the auction value and then you can sell it.
0: Right. The objects that you collect, are you uh, limiting yourself to a particular niche or do you collect everything, anything? No,
1: no, not everything and not anything because it's not possible to, first of all, it's not possible to buy each and everything or get each and everything. No, I mean,
0: are you you saying like, uh, this object is very good, but it's not, uh, it does not fit in my collection. Yes, yes. So,
1: What I do is I usually collect the items which are before independence. Strictly. Okay. Otherwise, they the things which have a, a high collectible value of after independence. For example, I told you about the newspaper. These newspapers are not before independence. But they have kind of an collectible value that this is the first time man stepped on the moon. Hmm. So that's how I collect those. But most of the my items are before independence. And I have drawn a line that what items I would be collecting. So if you talk about the items which I am into... If you talk about the items which I collect, then uh, I collect the newspapers, as I told you. I also collect uh, the, the fossils. Okay. I also collect uh, some uh, idols I got from my grandfather, I told you. But uh, the fossils I have collected them. So if uh, we will talk about the fossils later, that what kind of fossils I have. But uh, I also collect uh, the postcards. And uh, probably I am the biggest collector of the handmade British India Color, water-colored postcards which depicts the indian culture indian history and indian people that how people live during that time so approximately i have 800 of those postcards in my collection
0: so these postcards were issued by the british for yes uh, for uh, for britain uh no these are for india no uh, they depict indian life but they were supposed to be british india postcards but they were supposed to be sent to britain right to 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 uh, show their countrymen how they how they are living here uh, they were used for communication okay i mean so i if, mean it was not something special at that time
1: yes it was not something special but they were special because obviously they were the colored watercolored handmade postcards so they were an exotic postcards you can say
0: right. because
1: normal postcards you just numbered? have a
0: stamp huh? they were numbered
1: uh they were uh, they were numbered they were stamped sometimes they are stamped and franked also some of the uh, some of the postcards and uh, so do
0: they have uh, messages behind them or?
1: yes some some of them have messages and they are very interesting messages like what like uh, some someone is uh, uh, greeting uh, a greeting on a new year to someone dated back to 1905 and uh, they have they are also franked that first this card went from here to kashmir and then went to pune and then it was franked into london so that that that's how. So I have a very special postcard. Also, uh, it was uh, uh, franked by the J B Noel. He was a, a Everest climber and director of a movie on Mount Everest. So what he did was he went to uh, the Nepal. And uh, he trekked to the Everest base camp. And then he sent a uh, franked that card there, signed it with his autograph. And the, then he sent back uh, uh, the runner to uh, Kathmandu. And then that uh, card went to Calcutta. And then it is franked in, uh, with the British Empire stamp. And then it went to the London. So I have that card also in my collection. I also collect autographs also. Okay. Of the prominent people. I mean, I have five, six autographs. Uh, do you have
0: Gandhi?
1: Yes, I have Mahatma Gandhi.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, I have uh, Jawaharlal Nehru. Uh, I have the newspaper also. I mean, I have the autograph. I have the newspapers of their deaths also. Okay. So, my collection goes like this. So, suppose if I talk about the Indira Gandhi, I have the autograph of the Indira Gandhi. I have the newspaper of the day she died. Yeah. I have the uh, autograph of Rajiv Gandhi. Then I have the autograph of Rabindranath Tagore. So... That is how. So, some autographs I have. Uh, these four or five autographs I have in my collection. Then I have uh, some very interesting uh, Mughal time game also, which is called Ganjifa. Okay. And how, do you, how, how do you spell it? It's a g- G-A-N-J-I-F-A. Okay. And probably I am one of the Ganjifa. collectors. Ganjifa. Okay. It's a Mughal g- game. It's and a Mughal game with a uh, round cards and it is a handmade game with a wooden box. So it is uh, dated probably uh, 1800 something. So this is also the game. And I'm, I'm, I am I'm lucky to have it and one of the collectors of this. Because uh, some private collectors has this game with them. So I have just two cards short of the complete game. I have around 68 pieces. I, if I can remember correctly, this game.
0: It was played by the Mughals. The little community that you have of object collectors, it must be very tight knit, right? Yes. Uh, do you have any meetups in Delhi or? Uh, in in Delhi, we have some
1: meetups in Delhi, uh, of the collectors from Delhi only. So I have some friends who collect coins, who collect stamps, who collect some documents, who collect newspapers. There is one collector in Urissa who collects the newspapers only. So not the historic newspaper. Any newspapers. So, he is going forward for a a world record now that he is having 3,500 newspapers in different languages. So, he collects those newspapers from around the world.
0: So, he collects one of each? One of each. Okay. I
1: mean, without date, without history, without anything, he just collects the newspapers. So, like that. So, I also collect letters also. Mm -hmm. Historic letters I have. And... uh, my collection is very huge. I mean, I have more so than... What
0: is what is your favorite letter that you have in your
1: collection? Uh, the favorite letter, I mean, letters are something which is very close to my heart, my letters. I have three letters from the Wajid Ali Shah family. And uh, Wajid Ali Shah was the last king of India. And, uh, and please don't confuse it with the last emperor because uh, last emperor of India was Bahadur Shah Zafar, Zafar yeah. and last king in India was Wajid Ali Shah.
0: So he was so, from. Uh,
1: uh, he was the Rajah of Awad. 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 Okay. UP, and complete UP was he was. Got. It. So he was uh, imprisoned by the Britishers in the Fort Reach, Calcutta. So it was monsoon time, and uh, her Begum, she wrote a letter to him that meri ghar ki deewaron ki chhat me se pani aa raha and mere paas paiso ki bhi zarurat hai to kuch karo aap angrezon ko bol ke karao and
0: the queen is complaining complaining to the king about yes, that yes, his house yes because they were yes
1: they were actually uh, shifted uh, the queen was shifted in the ladies quarters there and the king was uh, shifted into a different place and all okay, the so are these guys are in jail and that yes they were imprisoned. Okay. means they got stipend from the Britishers okay. that we will uh, manage your territory you just uh, we will be paying you this much amount every month and you enjoy your life so kind so of house arrest th- yes house arrest hmm. that was the arrangement which they have hmm. so then the Raja sent her a letter and the interesting part is the most of the communication was translated by the britishers because uh, so uh, they were spect- uh, skeptical that uh, the controversy should not be there so when they receive a letter from the queen if they uh, the queen has written it in uh, uh, persian or some other language they used to translate it at the back in english and then they send it forward so what happened the uh, queen asked someone to write a letter for on her behalf in english so she stamped it with her own seal, with her own signature, Begum Saiba, And then she sent it to the king. So king wrote it in Persian language. So he wrote a letter. And then the Britishers translated that letter on the back because it was written in Persian. And then he sent it back to the queen. So, this is the one chain of communication which I have in the letters.
0: So, they were aware that the British were, uh, it was uh, being read by the British in between? Probably. Probably. Because they were house
1: arrest. So, then what happened, this is the one line of communication which I have. Then they have a son. The son was uh, Hisbur Ali. So, his father stopped his stipend. So, he wrote a seven page letter to the Governor General of India.
0: Why did he stop the stipend?
1: Probably because he was not having money. He was spending on himself lavishly. Okay. So, because uh, during the last of his days, he was quite a spender. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he used to spend on his luxuries. So, there is a very interesting book if you want to uh, read. Uh, it's the last king in India. Okay. And it has got his complete life.
0: The last king in India. And it's available on Amazon?
1: Yes, it's available. Okay. It's a very interesting book. Okay. I mean, so then
0: he sent a letter to get a stipend
1: uh, that uh, to the uh, Viceroy General of India, Governor General of India. And uh, the letter was sent back. Uh, and he was saying, that I'm not money, and aapne last time us raja ke bete ki help kari thi uske father ne bhi nahi diye so do something i am your uh, i will be your i am servant right. for the rest of my life and uh-huh. things like that was so seven page and then he signed it and sealed it and he said that uh, abdul Hisbur ali son eldest son of the king of odd wajid ali shah so he he, he wrote it in english so, they, these letters I have. Then I have a letter from uh, the
0: war. I have a war letter, which is from... Anshul is sure checking something on his laptop.
1: Okay, it was an Anglo-Maratha war letter. It was written by a private to a colonel on 16th January 1818. So, the letter I have, the complete transcript of the letter and I have uh, the actual letter. I have the actual letter with me. It's very really interesting to see that how they were influenced by the ha- things which were happening during those times. And uh, the calligraphy in the letters is worth observing that how they used to write. And uh, this letter is actually I mean, the had Pindari War.
0: Everyone had beautiful handwriting back then. Yeah. The, yeah.
1: Yes. Pindari War letter. So okay. Pindaris were a clan uh, they were the first ones to get involved in the Anglo-Maratha war. So this is a letter, dispatch letter. And if you want, I can read yeah, sure. that. what what's the letter is about. So the letter states that, uh, my dear Colonel, I have had no thinkers of our movements to give you and can only tell you that we have come here with the hope of getting something to guide us in chase of the Pindaris. Upon account of Kurim, Kurim was the name of a leader uh, from the Pindari War. Of Kurim crossing at the Oraghat, being received by the general at Rampura, he recalled a party who were bringing down 10 brass guns at Rampura. He recalled a party who were bringing down 10 brass guns from around on the hills above Rampura, burst and destroyed them and their carriages to Sanjeet with intent to let four squadrons of cavalry slip after Kurim, The detachment had marched when a letter from Sir John Malcolm bought news that they had run into Colonel Adam's teeth who had cut them up. So it's like that.
0: Sounds like a briefing that he's reporting Yes, yes, it's a superior. briefing. Okay. It's a dispatch letter briefing. I mean, it's it's very interesting that uh, back in the day they used to write letters in the middle of the war. Yeah. I mean if uh, I think they would be taking orders from the the superiors that were closest to them but uh, they had to do the briefings via letters
1: yeah communication was not there back then mm. only the mode of communication was writing down
0: letters yeah. right so uh, you mentioned the letters so uh, like I mentioned I watch history channel quite often and it has gotten to shit recently by the way uh, so the word that I learnt is provenance Mm-hmm. and so how do you prove your prove the provenance of the letters that you have that is an interesting question see the items which i have
1: is being collected by the different collectors so i can prove the genuinity of my item rather than provenance provenance is something that if i will sell to someone then he can show the provenance that he has got it from me okay but I can show that I, I, I have got it from the other collector, but he will not able to prove that from where he has right. got it. So the thing is, most of the items, that is another interesting thing which I... Uh, so the optimum
0: can, uh, situation would be uh, the chain of uh, ownership, right? Yes. So I got this from him and he got from her and so on and uh, dating back to the original... Uh,
1: yeah, object. but if yeah.
0: if only the records are
1: available. Right. So in Indian context what i'm trying to say is the characterization the characterization of this collectibles which i have is like i can prove the genuinity of the items and i only collect those items which i can prove that they are genuine for example if i will say that for example let's say the example of the letter which i have the letter has got a watermark okay the second thing is the rate of acidification of a document can prove that how old is it. Mm -hmm. Okay, So that is another thing but you have to check about that. The third, the genuinity is that all the things which I collect, they are dated. And if you, okay, let's talk about this letter. I told you about the book, The Last King in India. The letters which I'm talking about, they are mentioned by the author in that book. I can tell you the page number of the letters. Okay. Okay, I can tell you the page number, exact page numbers, the the where the author has mentioned. Like, uh, uh, on page 148, I have a... It is mentioned that Kosmel Saiba sent a letter to the king about her woos. So that letter is in my possession. On page 148, when the king answered the queen, the, the, there is a mention of this letter on page number 148 as well that is there and the letter which i talked about the prince hisbur uh, ali it is mentioned from page number 224 to 228 so in that way i can prove whatever items i have that ha- how they are genuine and uh, interestingly i am also certified by the government of india for restoration and preservation of the items so so the things which i have i preserve them and there is a very specific way of preserving these items and other items because paper you have to take out a different procedure procedure to preserve them mm. for an another item if it's a idol you have to take the other methods to preserve that item so in that way i can also i am also a certified preservator in that sense so if we talk about then there was a uh, exhibition which was there in the world museum day in the national museum and delhi, delhi. yeah and uh, there was one slave certificate
0: Slave certificate. Okay. Which
1: was borrowed from the British Museum by okay. the National Museum. And I have the same slave certificate just dated uh, just ahead two days. I mean, that certificate was dated, uh, which was displayed so in the what, National Museum. Which slaves were these? The slavery, when the slavery was happened. So, okay. that was the last set. when uh, I Blacks have a, in America yes okay. america so i have a dated a letter dated 18th march 1871 the certificate where it is shown that the name of the person is this the age is this and the for the rest of his life he will remain his property it is mm-hmm. clearly mentioned in that certificate and the, the uh, British Museum has a same certificate dated 20th March 1871. So the exactly everything is same. The stamp is same. The content is same. The page is same. The watermark is same. So I cannot provi- uh, prove the provenance that where i got it or from where but i can prove the genuinity you can check the london museum and can see and can you know uh, have a look at it and the light you will get a watermark you will have the same signature same stamp everything will be same and it the letter is from the same lot so in that way i can prove the genuinity of the most of the items which i have in my collection
0: so, uh, how difficult is it to fake something like that? To for, to make a fake and dump like 100 of them in the market? It's very difficult. Very because difficult. if you are
1: a good collector, you have an eye about this thing right. and you will very easily false out that it is a falsified thing. So, uh, what mistakes do these fakers make? See, seriously, I haven't seen any faker yet. Because first of all, Faker will not get an item. He can get a front page of a newspaper. Max to max. If you talk about, I'm talking about the full editions. If you want to fake a complete newspaper, then
0: what if if someone wants to fake a letter?
1: Someone wants to fake a letter. It is also very...
0: I mean, there are videos on YouTube to how to make paper look aged, right? Yes.
1: By, you know, burning
0: it or by dipping in chemical or something like that.
1: Letters... I can't say because I don't collect that kind of letters because uh, the see, if the price of a letter, faking a letter is greater than the actual letter, then nobody will actually fake it. Try to understand. So for example, if I will- Letters
0: don't go for that much. Is that what you're saying?
1: That is what I'm saying. The letters written by Mahatma Gandhi, written by Albert Einstein- they are more prone or suspectable for a fake. You can get a fake in them because they have a very huge market value. Right. But the letters which I'm talking about, you cannot fake these letters because the process of faking these letters, even the technology is not available in India per se. So the cost of faking these letters is obviously higher than the actual letters in my case. So that is how what I'm saying. And if we talk about the newspapers, then you cannot fake a complete edition of a newspaper. Right. First of all, from where you will get a complete copy, then uh, the printing, the offset, everything has to be original. So it is. it will not make sense for anyone to re- replicate a newspaper.
0: Uh, you mentioned some fossils as well that you have in your collection.
1: Yes, I have some fossils in my collection. Uh, I have a, a dinosaur egg fossils. And uh, probably I have a jawbone of a dinosaur with a tooth intact.
0: Why did you say probably?
1: Uh, because uh, still I am in process of uh, you know authenticating that right. particular stuff. That's why I said probably. So how will you go about authenticating it? See, I will uh, there is a laboratory in Lucknow uh, which uh, which is which deals with this kind of stuff, paleontology and other stuff. so, I will be contacting them for this.
0: Okay. And yeah, you were mentioning more fossils.
1: Yeah. I also have a fossil uh, dated back when Himalayas were not there and it was a sea. Right. So if you know that it was a yeah. Tethys. The, the two
0: plates collided. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: So I actually hunted that fossil in Spiti Valley. So what happened when the two plated uh, plates converged, then the Himalayas were formed. So, the organisms which were there in the sea, right. they went to the heights. Right. So, I have a fossil dated back millions of years old. A marine animal. A marine animal.
0: Right. On the awesome. mountains. Yes.
1: Yeah. So, I got it from Spiti Valley. Okay. And I also have a bird dated back to Jurassic Age. I have a bird fossil
0: and a fish fossil also. So, so where do you keep all this? I mean, must all this must take a lot of room. Not that much because, uh,
1: but uh, I'm keeping it in safe.
0: Okay. So how many safes do you have?
1: No, no. It's not that large things. Okay. So the best part is that is the reason I haven't uh, started it displaying. Although I had an exhibition at India International Center with uh, which was in collaboration uh, with an NGO uh, in which I have only shown the things which are related to the partition of India. Okay. So, that was an NGO, uh, Partition India. And uh, I have displayed uh, some items from, uh, from that era, from the partition time. Because uh, displaying is a big issue. Unless and until these newspapers, these documents, they are stacked together, preserved well, then I don't need a space. But the moment I will start displaying them, I have to... Uh, make a complete arrangement for their display, then obviously they will take space. And uh, I also have uh, prehistoric tools from the Stone Age. Okay. Some very small tools that were used by primitive man for cutting, grinding, and all right, the stuff. the stone tools. Yes. And uh, I also have uh, hairs from the woolly mammoth. Okay. And uh, that uh, also I'm in process of... Uh, you know uh authenticating them but uh i got it from a researcher who is working in siberia on the wooly
0: mammoths on resurrecting them or sorry on resurrecting the wooly mammoths uh not resurrecting them but uh he's but, but doing some kind of but i think, think there was there were some new stories about yeah no? they yeah. were trying to
1: yeah in korea they have set up a lab- laboratory right so what
0: happening. if what if they do manage to do that will your uh, will your uh, uh, collectible be worthless then what no? <laughs> what if there are there were two mammoths walking around you know five years from now
1: my collectibles collectibles will never be worthless okay. because uh, the mammoth hair which I have
0: is dated back to millions of okay. years ago right so you got the original they'll be making a copy yes yeah okay you mentioned opening a museum yeah so is that your uh, big life goal? yeah, kind of I have a big life goal of opening a private museum. Have any other museums approached you for, uh, buying your collection or something? Or have you ever thought of donating to a museum for donation? Yes. Some museum has asked obviously,
1: mm-hmm. but, uh, for, uh, what was your second question? Sorry. Uh,
0: have you ever thought of, uh, selling it to a museum? No, selling
1: your- no, I haven't thought it because this is a legacy, which I want to carry. Mm-hmm. And uh, I won't be selling even a single item in this. Although I have got offers some time for, even for a single object, for example, for a newspaper or something. But uh, I'm in no mood and I will never sell my collection. Because even, uh, if I have uh, two copies of a single item, then most probably I will be selling the one copy. Right. But uh, I will not be selling my collection.
0: Wouldn't it require a lot of capital to set up a physical museum and, you know... Oh.
1: That is uh, why I am working uh, with the government uh, bodies uh, to get some funding so that I can show the heritage of uh, India to the world. So that is my agenda and goal. So, But uh, let's see how
0: things will go. Won't they say that there are all, there are already so many museums? Why don't you give, give your uh, collection to one of those? No, because... Uh, the kind of items
1: which I have, you won't see in the museum. Mm-hmm. Because uh, I just told you about the newspapers and autographs and postcards, right? fossils. And uh, I have uh, uh, a complete uh, set of uh, stamp papers from the princely states. Then I have a very huge collection. I have a, a very big map of British India printed in 1818. Uh, India map of British India. And uh, things like that. I have a collection of advertisements where there is written "Bag a tiger in India in in three hundred dollars with a thirty-day bag, bag a tiger." Okay. They are very interesting advertisements of the tourism yeah. industry yeah. during hunting
0: was very popular back then. Yes,
1: yeah. so bag a tiger and things like that. So I have a very interesting collection which you won't see in any regular museum. For example, the day when uh, Bal Gangadhar Tilak was. Uh, sentenced i have a newspaper of that day then uh, i have uh, the co- a special section for delhi also if you talk about delhi
0: okay
1: i mean delhi is my state so yeah. i have to have something delhi has is, a huge history delhi itself has a huge yeah. history it is the oldest city yeah. yeah so i have a coronation section of a delhi uh, i have the day uh, newspaper of the day when new delhi was inaugurated yeah, I have the day 1911, right? Uh, no, 1911. It was actually tr- shifted from Calcutta to Delhi. Calcutta to Delhi. Right. For that day, I also have a newspaper. Okay, I have the original photographs of that day. But I'm talking about the New Delhi. So when the New Delhi was inaugurated, I have the newspaper of that day. Uh, and when uh, Bhagat Singh bombed the Delhi assembly, I have the newspaper of that day. So in that way, I have a very huge collection of the newspapers also. And I have a tin plate, a souvenir, which was uh, uh, which was uh, awarded uh, uh, as a token of gift to the attendees of the coronation ceremony, which was happened. So I have right, a tin mementos. plate. Mementos. Yes, memento, kind of a memento. I have a medal that was uh, awarded on that day. That was 13th December 1911. It's 1911 when the coronation happened.
0: 11th December. So on your website, are these all all these objects listed on your website? History Hunter. It's historyhunter.in, right? No, and the date is 12th
1: December. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Uh, No, objects are not listed there. My objects are not listed. That's what I have. I have a presentation which I usually give if someone asks. Uh, I had a presentation in National Museum on the World Museum Day. And uh, the title of my presentation is Traveling Through Times, where I actually take you to a journey from the formation of the moon or earth till independence. And it covers, it has around 130 slides, and it covers most of the items which I have in my collection. And uh, other than this, I have two more themes of my presentations. So if you talk about the stamps... Then I have my my grandfather was into collecting stamps. So I have completed his stamps collection. So I have around 140 years of stamp collection catalogued year by year. Like it it is dated from 1860 till 1980s. So in that way. So this is another set of presentation which I take where I, I will take you to the journey of the stamps that house stamps and as a filletly as a branch has evolved and uh, then i have a third theme in my collection which is related to the life of uh, the life of the uh, indians during the british empire where i take you through the journey with the help of my 800 postcards and uh, the monuments are there and uh, there the buildings the people so in that way so there are other themes of my presentations, which I usually take.
0: Instead of a physical museum, have you thought of opening an online museum? Like, uh, did you see the, I think in in Sweden or uh, some Scandinavian country, they emptied a riverbed. Did you read about that? No. They emptied a riverbed. I think they were uh, making a subway, a metro. And they redirected the route of the river. Mm-hmm. And the riverbed was empty. And there were like millions of objects, and not millions, I mean thousands of objects, they were found, uh, you know, p- uh, people have been dumping stuff into the river for ages. Okay. And they cataloged each and every object on their website. And wow. it, it was a great project. It uh, it started with the 2000s. Okay. So you could scroll down to history. So uh, on the first page, uh, they were like from 2000 to 2010 and there were mobile phones and you know all these objects that uh, were from that era mm-hmm. and then there were 90s and 80s and it stretched back to i think 1700s oh and there were coins and uh, utensils from the 1700s from the viking era that's wonderful so i i that's what i wanted to ask what wouldn't that wouldn't a project like that be you know quicker to launch uh, cataloging all your objects and then uh, showcasing on a particular website uh, my objects are actually cataloged
1: Okay. Although it's a very huge task for me, but uh, somehow I was able to invest that much time in cataloging the things. And uh, that is an interesting idea of opening an online museum. But the feel which you can get in viewing a particular object or flip through the pages of the newspapers physically, that kind of uh, feeling you will not get in an online museum. Because what I want is that if I will display a newspaper on a table, first of all, my first requirement is I will be setting up in that way that users will able to flip the newspaper. It is not like that. I will be keeping it in a showcase inside. But a, that, can, that can be done virtually also, right? That can be done, but, but, explanations can also be done but the feeling which you can have a physical object in hand cannot match uh, things which you can actually see it on a computer screen. So my main goal is that if suppose I will open a museum then the museum will be having separate sections and I will take it through the journey physically and with the proper display and the proper stories that what it, it's, what is behind the object. Because every object, I have a story of acquiring the object and I have a story behind the object that that is about the object. So I want it in a very seeming way that that it will be a journey, physical journey, when you step in to, uh, into the museum and then you will have the earphones on your head and it, it will be a kind of a virtual reality thing with a physical connection. You can say, because, uh, I, I am a kind of an old school guy. And because all I'm associated with history, so probably I want it to be
0: displayed physically rather than having it on the website. Okay. I just found the article, so I'll mention it. It was actually Amsterdam. A newly launched massive database presents a fraction of the 700,000 objects uncovered in Amsterdam's Amstel River, the main artery of the city. So, between 2003 and 2013, they they um, changed the route of the river, and 700 wow. objects, 700,000 objects are found. The website is below the surface, mm-hmm. and uh, the URL is below the surface. dot Amsterdam. Okay. That's the URL, so you can check it out. Yeah, I will definitely. And uh, it was very unique. I I spent like uh, like an hour on the website itself. It was so so much wow. fun, you know, going back and yes. finding seeing objects. Yes. So I mean, this is just an idea that you can explore. Uh, you can have a dream of opening a physical museum, but it will take a lot of capital and a lot of time. So mm. this thing, I think, this something like this can be done very quickly, like in a matter of months.
1: Yeah, when I was giving a lecture in the national museum, then uh, a few guys from a company approached me. Uh, they have the technology of uh, 3D scanning and stuff like that. Right. So they have proposed me that if uh, I want to go ahead with this, uh, I can, you know, uh, approach them. So probably I will actually talk with them. Yeah. And then let's explore that, how it can be done. But uh, physical thing is
0: yeah, I got what I
1: yeah. am into. I mean, right. I want it to be displayed. So physically, that is my main goal. And uh, I also want it, uh, even, I mean, if I will not get a proper funding from the government, then I can actually make a, uh, actually got funding. I will try to get funding from uh, some private investors who can
0: fund in opening a museum because, see, I have a contact. contact. Are museums a profitable thing? Are museums a profitable project? Uh. I mean, an investor would seek a return on his investment, right? Right. He would say, I'll give you X, you give me like 2X in 10 years. Right. So, but he's investing in history. But he he must be be passionate about history, as much passionate as you are. Yes. So, he
1: will be investing in history because I have contacts for getting stuff from outside. Mm -hmm. I mean... Uh, we can, if we will get the funding, then we can probably get some things from outside and then we can display it and see, museum is ever evolving. Hmm. Profitability is the thing. You can get a profitability in the museum if you are talking about a private museum. Right. So, it's like, if I will suppose, start up a very huge, in today's world, people want to see a museum. They want the services in that way. But, and they are ready to pay. I mean, if you will be asked to pay 500 rupees a ticket for a museum, I think you will definitely, if you have that kind of things in your museum, then you can attract the crowd and it's an ever evolving process it's not like that that okay i went to a some museum once i have seen everything and okay now why should i i will go again if i will develop an evolving museum say today i have a thousand things in my collection if i will get a funding i can have a 500 more next year then in that way it is an ever evolving business and if you can portray if you talk about the tussad museum See, they charge sixteen hundred. It's not a regular museum. So whatever yeah. it is, but yeah. people are paying sixteen hundred bucks to get right. inside. This is the thing to get their pictures clicked with Shahrukh. Yes. Yeah. So if people are paying sixteen hundred, they will definitely pay five hundred rupees a ticket for visiting my museum. If I can give them a product.
0: What is your uh, favorite museum in
1: India? My favorite museum. It's. It's yours. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it will be mine hmm. once. Yeah. It will start operating. But uh, I think uh, the exhibitions in the National Museum, mm-hmm. they
0: are very good. I mean, when they... The temporary exhibitions. The like temporary they, they exhibitions. They showcase the Jewels of Nizam. Yes. Right.
1: So, in that way, they are exceptional because they uh, they get funding from the different NGOs also, mm-hmm. like Tata Foundation and uh, Aga Khan Found- Foundation. There are some Infosys Foundation, so they get uh, they, they, they the the these exhibitions are uh, uh, are being uh, you know held in a comprehensive way and in collaboration with each other. So that way, because the, the exhibition which I was talking about, it it was related uh, to the seven civilizations, and uh, they got several items from the British Museum and they have displayed it there, and they have also lended it from various uh, museums in India also depends on the theme so in that way those exhibitions are very worth and last month I think they have a hookah exhibition there so they bought hookahs from all over the world and they have displayed it there so these exhibitions are very interesting
0: no but but in terms of a permanent collection
1: permanent collection obviously the National Museum has
0: the right. greatest collection Biggest, in India. Right. they have the greatest collection yeah uh, the one in UK has like the richest collection in the world. Right? Yeah, National UK. Museum. London has so many museums
1: and yeah. most of the museums. Because they online.
0: were, they were, uh, they had so many colonies under them. That yes, they were, yeah. that is the
1: reason. Most of the art, yeah, they are in the British Museum,
0: Victoria Museum, and in, in those museums. What if someone wants to get into collecting? Like, how, what, 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 the, what is the first step that he should take? See, first of all, I think uh, one should actually. Explore their
1: interest. That uh, what items they enjoy or what they are passionate about. Because uh, some collectors, uh, in my circle, they they collect the matchbox uh, labels. Okay. So they are passionate about these. So they these items is also their history. I mean, collecting a matchbox from a British era is a very interesting thing if you have them. Even. Uh, I also have some of them in my collection. But uh, so when I started with the collecting, um, I have uh, started collecting the labels and all other stuff. So I explored that what kind of things I am passionate about and I will start collecting it. So it depends. First, you have to explore that what you are passionate about. Then I thought what I'm collecting. I've also started collecting uh, coins also. Because stamps was there, I, I was collecting stamps and uh, completing my grandfather's collection. But on the other side, I started collecting coins. Somehow, I didn't feel uh, like something exclusive in coin collection because the thing is, they are widely available. I mean, and this is the most common thing which anyone yeah, you can could You could with. buy
0: them on eBay, I think.
1: Yes, you can buy them on eBay yes. also. And there are so many markets. You can also get them in the old Delhi so in that way, I started collecting coins, but first of all, I didn't have that kind of knowledge and patience to get into the stuff like there are hundreds and thousands of coins era wise and things like right. that. So I thought that it should be simple. If I am collecting something, it, has, it, it should tell a story in itself i mean i can relate it to the history so i thought that is not my ball game so i stopped collecting coins even coin collection is a very intense hobby for some people they invest lakhs of rupees in this coins and banknotes. and their value is tremendous in the market but i didn't feel like collecting coins and coins thing coins because uh, i uh, was not passionate about coins so i have a theme in my mind that i will collect 50 or 100 coins but i have a proper theme in the back of the mind that how I will be going to collect and how I will be going to present because collecting is a different thing and explaining your collection is a different thing altogether. Because if I will give you a stack of hundred newspapers, please please read, read them. It will be like you will say, Are you are a kabadi. <laughs> 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 what are you giving it to me? Hmm. But if I will tell you a story that see, this newspaper, this this newspaper has mention of Baji Rao when he was attacked by the Britishers on that date and it has this kind of news. Then obviously, a newspaper is telling its story and it is more interesting when you can able to relate it with the history. So in that way. So first collectors, if you want to start collecting, you should... Be passionate about the thing. Explore the thing. Start collecting it. I mean, if you are passionate about collecting a matchbox label, start it. Uh, collect them 40, 50, 100 or whatever you can. And then look back at it that, okay, are you feeling a satisfaction in collecting this item? If you are getting a punch or a feel, then obviously this is for you. Because whenever I flip the pages of my newspapers or I I take a tour of my collection, Uh, I got a high. Right. I mean, it's so wonderful that I can relate it. And every time when I tell stories, I got goosebumps that I am having uh, this kind of stuff.
0: Uh, I forgot my question. (laughs) It's okay.
1: So I have war medals also. I also collect war medals. Okay. So I've just
0: told you some themes, but I have a very... Right. So my question was, uh, you mentioned that you've given talks in museums yeah I remember uh, in when I was in school uh, someone came from I think ASI and he gave he uh, he showed us a presentation similar to yours and uh, he he showed us coins and stuff. Mm-hmm. so have you gone to schools and uh, you know other places where you can inspire kids? See first
1: of all, I have uh, started displaying my correction or you know showing it to the world since last year only okay okay till that time I was just collecting collecting that's when collecting. you started the website. Okay, so uh, I started uh, showing it to the world only last year, and for the first time, I was featured by the Statesman newspaper. And uh, then, after I w- had an exhibition uh, with the NGO, which I talked about, and uh, then I had lectures and all. And I had a lecture in this, uh, even I had a lecture in National Museum and I was offered or invited sorry, I was invited by uh, many colleges and schools to show this but because of some time constraint, I was not able to get through them. So I have uh, these uh, in my schedule that I will be going to the following colleges and, uh, uh, and schools and institutions to showcase this particular thing. So I also had an opportunity to attend a workshop uh, at American Institute of Indian Studies in Gurgaon. So I was selected there for their archaeology program. And uh, there I showed my collection to the instructors.
0: This presentation? Yes. So how, how many slides? 100 some slides, right? Yeah. So how long uh, does this presentation take? See, it depends. I mean, uh, if you talk about it going
1: in depth, then it, it actually takes me One hour or something like that. Okay, you can talk
0: about in depth in one hour or 100 something slides? Yes, I can.
1: I mean, yeah, I will show you the slides. I will not uh, tell you the story. Right. So in that way, we can. So for them, I think I've wrapped it up in 20 minutes. Okay. So in that way. Okay. So I had that uh, workshop and it was very interesting and an eye opener for me. And uh,
0: the workshop uh, on archaeology.
1: it, It was on archaeology and the methods of archaeology right that how the things uh, are actually uh, eva- uh, evaluated uh, on the basis of the cons- uh, their uh, clay constituents and things like that and the material they are built up of so it okay. was an interesting one
0: how much time uh, do you spend on uh, this stuff well, and, uh, i mean you have a, your own business of consultancy right mm-hmm. so what is the ratio that you dedicate to this and to your consultancy it's not fixed i mean uh,
1: whenever i get time mm-hmm. i dive into history
0: right okay so, so how how many hours per week would you say or uh, see initially for cataloging it took time
1: because when i was just collecting and i was not uh, entering it into my database that that what is about and things like that initially it took a long time But now my approach is like, the moment I get the things in my collection, I just open it, my Excel sheet and I just enter it on my mobile phone. So in that way, currently I'm able to, and the second thing is these kind of stuff. The one thing is like, when I'm getting it into my collection, then it actually, when it comes to my collection, it is entered into my Excel sheet. And these items are very hard to find. So it is not like that. Every day I'm getting something new and getting updated my sheet. So right now, if you talk about the cataloging investing time in the cataloging, then it is very less. But if you talk about uh, the history thing, then you can say I devote uh, two hours daily into history because right now what I'm doing is I'm painting. What I'm doing is I am painting the paintings which are there in the museums. So, the paintings from the Victoria and Alberta Museum. I am painting this painting on my own oil painting. So what I will be doing is I'm planning to paint 50 paintings for my museum. So I will be painting. So there will be, they will be replicas. Uh, replicas right? or reproduction of those paintings with my own hand.
0: Okay. So this is. So are you, is are you a, a trained painter? Sort of. I mean, okay. I love to paint. Are you good? Ah, uh, that you have to. <laughs> You have to tell me after. the replicas, I think uh, there's a town in China, I'm forgetting its name, do you know about it? No. Uh, So there's a town in China and they do replicas for uh, museums all over the world. Okay. And I saw a very nice documentary, it was very short, it was like 10 or 20 minutes long. Interesting. And uh, I'll mention the documentary in the show notes of this episode, Mm -hmm. I'll add the link. And it was about a guy who who's been painting Van Gogh's paint, uh, uh, paintings. He's been doing it for twenty odd years, mm-hmm. and uh, he was uh, selling the paintings to a guy in uh, Netherlands itself. Uh, and uh, he thought that his the his clones were going into a museum. Okay. And uh, the guy who was buying his paintings, uh, he bought him a ticket and he took him to uh, Amsterdam. And once he got there, he saw that his paintings were actually uh, being sold in a souvenir shop outside the museum. Okay. And uh, the look on his face was, it was so heartbreaking because he thought he was like doing something great. And uh, he had been painting uh, the clones through pictures. So his colors were off. And then he finally got to see the actual stuff. And uh, he was like, oh my god, I've been doing this, something on his, something around his cheek. Like, I've been doing this wrong for 20 years. And uh, then he finally got back to his village. Uh, So this village is comprised entirely of uh, people who paint uh, the clones of originals. Okay. So each and everyone through generations has been doing that. Oh. So finally he said like, uh, I'm not going to do clones anymore. I'm going to uh, paint something of my own. And the first thing that he painted was his own paint shop. People oh. people cloning paintings in his own paint shop. Okay. And it was... It, it's. A, I'll put the link in the description. Mm-hmm. And you can uh, buy clones from AliExpress, I no, think. I, I want to...
1: You want to paint them mind. yourself. Uh, okay. I but I, I
0: just things. mentioned these guys are professionals and they've been doing it for generations. Okay. The clones. That's good. Like Mona Lisa, Van Gogh and all oh. the Renaissance paintings. Okay. So, yeah. That's nice. But... The charm which you will do with your
1: own hand right. is something which is not comparable with the clone.
0: Right. I also went on a binge of watching uh, restorations of paintings last month. Oh. I was watching, like, you know, uh, painting restoration videos on YouTube for like mm-hmm. one after the other. It was a very interesting uh, process because uh, over time the varnish has been, you know, ruined and uh, they have been. Uh, Chinks in the paint by move, uh, while moving the painting from one museum to another. Oh, so uh, that was also very interesting. So you're painting the the copies yourself.
1: I have started one painting. Okay, which one? one? It's an uh, the painting from the Alberta Museum, Victorian Alberta Museum, and uh, it is a scene of Kutum Minar.
0: Okay, Kutum Minar.
1: Uh, what is the painting called? I don't know the name of the painting. Okay. But uh, it's a it it is a scene from the Qutub Minar and it was uh, drawn in
0: 18 something 1850s or something. Okay. I will send you the details. Right. Okay. Uh I'll I'll put the link of that also in the in mm-hmm. the description. Definitely. Uh so my next question is what was that one object that was uh the most difficult to find? Went to great lengths to get your hands. Get the Independence hands. Day newspaper. Okay, the the nineteen. That was the most difficult.
1: That is the most difficult,
0: or the Moonstone, per se. So how did you how did you bring it in your, into your collection? The newspaper.
1: The newspaper came to me from some collector. I mean, this is the thing which any any collector will take it to himself. I mean, he won't give it to you. Right. So, it was like that. It's by like you the can crown say, and the
0: jewel, right? Yes. Jewel in of, the crown. Jewel in the crown. No, kind yeah, of.
1: Yeah. I mean, see, every newspaper is jewel in the crown. You won't get a second copy, whichever is there. Okay. The Bhagat Singh one. And I have more than 75 newspapers, the historic newspapers in my collection. But this one is so special because it's the first day of independence for India. Right. So that's how you can say it's a jewel in the crown. And so what is the story behind it? Story is like I came to know that uh, someone has this newspaper in his possession. And uh, the guy was from Jharkhand. And uh, Bukaro. Okay. He's also a professional collector. No. Okay. He's not a collector. Somebody okay. told me that he had a meeting with someone who was uh, actually wanting X price for that item. So I thought, yeah, I want this. So I took up a train and I went to Jharkhand. Bokaro. Bokaro. Okay. So, and then when I went, I I got, I was his phone number only, not the complete details. So, I called him and he said, I said, okay, I'm calling from Delhi and you had this newspaper. so said, yes, I had. And uh, he was saying that, uh, uh, I, I was asking him his address. Okay, give me your address. He said, where are you? I'm in Bokaro only. So, I went to him and uh, then he was like, he, he quoted me 2x price of the item because I was
0: there. And he knew that you were a collector.
1: I don't know if he knew or not. I haven't told him that
0: I'm a collector. But if you tell someone that you're a collector, they'll up the price. Yes, definitely.
1: Yeah, right. I mean, if I'm a collector... Right. And I will say that, okay, I have, have this kind of collection, then obviously they will even ask for 10x price. So in that way, I it is not possible to get each and everything. So now and then, I used to leave the things. For example, I was offered an Akbar 2 seal. Akbar 2? Akbar 2. I am not a you know professional historian, but... Right. And uh, with a, I know there was a gold pouch, okay. <laughs> with a gold woven pouch, with a seal and two letters, handwritten letters from the court of Akbar too. Okay. And the guy asked some price and they, I think uh, this item was in Italy or somewhere. So I said, yeah, leave it. So I although I, I sent this particular thing to the actual historians, and uh, for checking that what is, it is written because it, the letter was written in Persian or something. So then I left the thing because it was not... Nah,
0: right, so going back to Bukaro, what happened?
1: Haan, so Bukaro is... I went there and the guy was asking 2x price of the same item. So then somehow, then he said that I, I don't want to sell. So I said, yeah, I, I have actually made the condition worse because... I'm not a good uh, in bargaining. So, then when he said 2x, I said, yeah, what? So, I went and I stayed there for a night. Then I approached him next day once again. Then he was reluctant to sell. He said, no, my thing is you won't find this. And this is the... I mean, it usually happens. When you want a thing from the other side and the other person knows that you are in need of that need of this thing, then he will definitely raise his price. So somehow I stayed there for two days and then the next day I got this. We sat together for two, three times in negotiations and all and other stuff. Then I told him that you are giving it to a good person. I mean, I'm into collection and I, I will take care of this thing and we can have some kind of other business in the near future or whatever.
0: That is also a motivator, right? It's going to a good home.
1: Yes, that is also motivation. For right. example, I was offered uh, once the handwritten letters of Subhash Chandra Bose. Okay. And the moment the guy actually uh, came across me and then uh, I showed him this collection and all the stuff, then he talked about the price. I said, it is priceless. Then he backed off. He said, why should I give it to you? I will keeping it. Although the, uh, the guy who was there, who was arranging the Subhash Chandra Bose handwritten letters, Uh, He was saying that these letters belong to someone family friend and he don't want to give it to the museums and all because they don't take care of these kind of stuff. So probably he wanted to give it to a private collector who will take care of this thing. So, I showed him everything that, see, I am a certified conservator and preservator and I take care of this thing like this and all. And uh, this is a priceless thing. And I think it is better that uh, you should arrange this thing to me. So, what he did, I don't know what was behind it, but I I didn't get these letters. So, in that way, sometimes when you show that, okay, you are these, because the awareness is the problem. Most of the people are not aware of the market first. And the moment they get aware, they think that, oh, this thing, this is the priceless thing. Yeah. I mean, it can fetch thousands or millions of dollars, but actually, it is not like that. I mean, everything is a value, but it's not like that. Okay. Everything has a million dollar value or a trillion dollar value or kind of th- this thing or thousands, thousands of dollars. So, but there is a misconception in the mind of the people that if it is a newspaper or if it is some collectible, then it has a tremendous value. And for for them, the tremendous is like exponential value. So this is another stuff. So sometimes because of this, you don't get the things or the price is set so high, the uh, pa- price, price bar is such at a higher peak that you cannot step into it. So it happens like this.
0: Uh, so did you uh, read about the, the gold coins that were found in Italy recently? Uh, like they were found like in the open, in, in a vessel. Yes,
1: I was uh, aware of this thing. I have read it somewhere, but I'm not
0: completely, uh, you know. Uh, so here's the, uh, here's the headline. 300 rare gold coins found in Italy under Cressoni Theater. 300 coins, 1500 years old. Roman gold coins found wow. stuffed inside an urn. Wow. They were just lying there. True treasure hunt. Yeah. So have you found something like lying on the road, something valuable? I told you I got the fossil. Right. In the Himalayas. In the
1: Himalayas. I got
0: the fossil like that. Right. And uh, have you ever heard stories of uh, other people finding stuff like that? I have heard a lot of stories. And
1: Mm. uh, in fact, uh, this uh, dinosaur egg, which I am talking about. Right. This is also hunted by me. I mean, I haven't bought it.
0: So where did you find that? bought it from Gujarat. Okay. You mentioned you had kids, right? I have one kid. You have one kid. So, boy or girl? Boy. And how old? Four years old. Do you hope that one day he'll continue the legacy of your grandfather? Uh, Probably, yes. I mean, it's up to him. Mm. I I will not force him. So,
1: these questions are asked to me by several of my friends and other collectors also. The thing is, I will definitely try to open a museum in this life. I mean, if we will have a museum, then obviously that will be a museum property and he can take care of it and whatever the stuff that will going to happen. But if I will not able to open a museum and this collection will be privately held by me, then probably it's up to him. So if he wants to keep it, then he can keep it. And if he wants to sell it, then he can sell it.
0: So it's it will be his decision, whatever he wants to have with us. Great. Check out Anshul's uh, website, historyhunter.in. Yes, and, and you th- can follow him on Twitter, historyhunter_.
1: Yes, you can find my collection at historyhunter_. Because I just talked about few things and few items which I am into, I am collecting. Right. So rest of the things usually I post on Twitter.
0: Okay. So great chatting to you, man. Thank you. Thank you for uh, coming over. My pleasure. All right, that was it. That was our conversation, and uh, I'm in talks with him to bring him on board with Radio Flyer and do his own show with us, so let's see how it goes, cheers, until next time.